I never saw you leave And it was late at night I could be wrong But I know that you have never been right Someone said you vanished But he was cooked I'm sure there were some details that he overlooked So get specific Give me time I could never keep track of mine What's on the menu for today? Welcome in, welcome back uh, Congratulations to the Montreal Carabang, uh On one hell of a season a Vanier Cup capping it off in front of this Montagnards. It felt like we were at Sepsum. Uh, a couple notes on the game here as we go through. Today we'll be kind of exclusively talking about it. Uh, Connor and I missed touch, so you'll hear Connor's side of the story later in the week when they're back in from the field. We'll bring you like an extra episode. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited to have most of this Caravan team back next year. I think they're only really losing uh, Bruno Lagasse, Kalen St. Cyr, um, a couple key pieces. But I would probably say like 95% of this team is coming back next year, including Joe and Joe Senecal. I know my Thursday episode was kind of centered around what are we doing with the heck Crichton or my Friday episode, I guess. What are we doing with the heck like this? This should have been Taylor Elgersma's award. And you know what? I still I still do believe that. But in saying that, I was not trying to take anything away from Joe Senecal. And man, did he put on a show on Saturday. The elusiveness, the arm strength, the poise. He threw a pick early. And he walked out on the next drive like it didn't even affect him. Uh, of course, he ended up having to punt, but they forced the safety. And then it was just, okay, let me cruise. Let me do my thing. This is how this is going to go today. Um, I, I think with these Carabae, their defense was so loaded. I mean, I was watching it back on CBC. I don't even think they mentioned Nicky Farinaccio was a defensive player of the year last year. <laughs> but they have so many other great players that Nicky just kind of fits in. And yes, he was the player of the game. Um but I, I, I know that he just kind of fits. And when you have so many superstars on a defense, like your St. Cyr, like your Lagasse, like your Misson, like your Fontenard, like your Ojos, and Nicky Farinacci has just the icing on the cake because he himself is so freaking talented. Uh, I, I want to start with kind of talking about how Montreal, it seemed like they just wanted this more like this Vanier Cup meant more to them and a part of that I think comes down to how their last couple years have gone I mean the loss to Saskatchewan the Rouge to Laval 2019 they are losing in the Vanier Cup Um, so the last three full seasons they have played they have been at the peak and they slip off the edge of the Uh, The final step, the final piece of the puzzle, it was missing. It got eaten by someone's dog. I I know I have a ton of puzzles that I do around Christmas, and that's one of my big worries. (laughs) Um, But no, it seems every year they've gotten close and then fell short. Closer and fall just shy. 
And for the group of leaders on this team, like those defensive players, like a Carl Shabbat, who was in that 2019 Vanier, this seemed to just mean more to them through and through from the first kickoff. And not saying that UBC wasn't playing hard, but for UBC, this is kind of a great story. I mean, Rooker off the hip injury comes back and their offense is just lights out. They get two key transfers in from Simon Fraser uh, in Davenport and Cummings. And for them, it's just kind of like, uh, whoa, here's this, here's UBC. We saw the potential last year, and this year they crush through and, and succeed. Uh, and they were kind of enjoying the moment being there. Obviously, they're for a business trip, but the emotional investment that Montreal had over top of UBC, you could you could sense it from the first kick. Um the players, the players were chirping. They were, they were excited. They were energetic, and of course, it helps to have five fan buses full <laughs> of molten yards, uh, screaming, chanting, using air horns behind you. It, it felt like we were at Sepsum, dumbed down because, quite frankly, I don't think anything can top Sepsum. Um, I was quick side note here. This was my probably favorite tidbit from the week. Uh, William Moylan, the athletic director of Montreal, was telling me that this year they tracked Montreal's uh, volume at Sepsum. And I think he said 120 or 122 decibels. For reference, if you're wearing an Apple Watch, anything over 110, I believe, for a prolonged period is like uh, uh, it sends out a warning to your Apple Watch. When you go to an Astros concert, the band who Connor and I get all of our music from for our entry and exit, uh, they like to play their music extra loud. That is one of their favorite things about playing live shows. And they don't come close to 122 decibels. The world record for loudest stadium goes to the Falcons at 144. And I believe they had the dome closed that day, so it kind of helps bounce the sound around. But that stadium is also, uh, what, 42 times the size <laughs> of Sepsum. Um, this, this number to me, when I heard it, I was like, what the hell? 120 decibels? Like, that is insane for a stadium of that size to get that uh, sound level going. Um, but no, so it, it, felt, it felt like a home game. Even to the fans, it felt like it meant more. And I think uh, it, it just kind of means more in La Belle Province, in the province of Quebec, because uh, pregame, as Marshall and I are talking with uh, Anthony Calvillo and Jason Moss of the Montreal Alouettes, people kept coming up to them and not saying congratulations for on winning a van, uh, Grey Cup. It was, thank you. Thank you so much for bringing that home. Thank you for bringing it back to our province. And I, I kind of paused and thought, Thank you. Like these guys, these guys worked their whole lives, whole careers for a chance at these Grey Cups. And you're saying thank you for bringing it to you? <laughs> like, okay, I, I guess that's how much it really means. Um, but no, it, it felt like it meant more emotionally to this group. Now, next year, when the revenge and redemption and ultra emotional path has been spent, and it's now about repeating 
will that be there? I think so, because the guys really follow behind Aya DeLuca and Joe, and those guys aren't going anywhere. They're staying. They're going to be there for the next year at least. Aya DeLuca is going to be there for a long time. So I think this team is going to find a way to continue to push. Um, but no, so that was kind of the first piece. The second one, God damn, Gio Manu is so impressive. I know the talk is about Theo Benedet. We're going to shift to UBC here. Um, I know the, the folks on Theo Benedet, two JP Metris winners, um, back-to-back, first offensive lineman, I believe, to do it. But uh, Gio Manu, to me, I was like, oh, this this guy is just as, if not more, impressive. And I think he's going to be a sleeper. <laughs> not really a sleeper. Uh, half sleeper in the draft because a lot of people are going to pay attention to Theo Benedet, rightfully so. But Gio Manu, to me, uh, more size. He looks like he has more of a pro frame on him. And Theo Benedet has a really solid frame, too, solid base, room to grow in. Um, but Gio Manu, to me, looks every bit as much the part. Uh, so pretty excited to see him. As for the T-Birds, uh, I do want to get to one issue that I think a lot of teams struggle with, but nobody really talks about it, and that's whenever you send players pro and they don't come back, sometimes those voids are really tough to fill. And last year, they had late Cordy Moore, and their defensive line was stellar. And this year, they didn't get him back from the CFL. Rightfully so. Played with Saskatchewan the majority of the year. All of the year, I believe. Um, teams like Laurier have grown accustomed to this, and they replace guys. And maybe it takes an extra year, but they replace guys, and they, they are able to build. This year, if they didn't get Ifeon Yamanum back, it would have been a different outlook for the Laurier Golden Hawks. But because they did, they were able to help grow Grigorichich to the point where now, if he's not there next year, Ethan's probably going to do very well on his own. But this year, they were kind of like, okay, well, he's going to be great, but God, having Ify here is a really big benefit. Uh, for UBC, I don't think they were prepared behind late Cordy Moore to have the same effect in a game. And I think you saw that with Joe Senecal and the ability that he had to extend plays, but also the ability he had in the game to just sit in the pocket because there wasn't any immediate pressure. And it felt like they had to send linebackers or bring a Mitch Townsend or a Ryan Baker from depth late adding to really flush Joe out of the pocket. And I'll give Joe all the credit in the world. He was able to sit there and still not push the ball deep. He knew he knew that he had short routes, short concepts that he could pick apart. Um, but to be able to sit there and just kind of hang out, relax, play it safe, um, and not really feel pressured by a three-man or a four-man uh, D-line that's just kind of going at it, stunting, uh, twisting. That, to me, is such a big breaker. What have Connor and I talked about? You need to find a quarterback, find an offensive line, and find a defensive line to get after the other teams. Well, let's look at UBC. They have the quarterback. They certainly had the offensive line. And last year, they had the defense with late Cordy Moore to get some points, get some pressures. This year, 
they did not. They did not have that one outstanding player like a Windsor with Kalade Amuson who can just wreck a game from the edge. Like an Ojo, quite frankly, for the Carabang, who wrecks games from the edge. Silas Hubert, can I keep naming more? Um, they they missed that piece, and in the biggest game, they kind of had to choose. Do we send extra pressure to get Joe off his spot and risk him scrambling? Do we sit back and give him all the time in the world to, to eat apart our zone and give them lanes to run in because we're not sending extra pressure? Or, you know, do we send everything at him, try to contain him in the pocket, and leave our DBs on islands? Uh, and just, you have to give cushion and he'll just take short game the whole time. To me, that that was the biggest dilemma in this game. And it starts with having a guy like Jonathan Senecal protected in the pocket and allowing him time for Montreal to make choices like that. And it was such a luxury for them to have all game long. And it culminated in the perfect storm for them. Um, I do think with with this game, God, it was it was a special defensive game. And I will say a big shout out to Royer, the punter for the Carabang. He was striping the ball all day long. It was high hang time, distance, accuracy on field placement, uh, spiraled out into the wind, into the sun. And not only did it give his cover teams a really good chance at limiting probably one of the best return games in the country, um, but it also threw off the returners a little bit. Like Shamar McBean at one point, right before they gave up the safety, he ended up slipping because he couldn't track the ball. It got hung up in the wind, but was such a high ball that it just sat and sat and sat. Uh, Another kick return they had uh, just kind of hung up and they, one hit the ground, the second one, they had uh, an up back end up taking it. So uh, shout out to Royer, shout out to the Carabay, Aya DeLuca, Joe Senecal, Nikki Fernaccio, they're all back next year. Harold Misson, back next year. Um, I know Connor's pretty amped. Uh, a lot of his teams that have a big M won over this weekend. He had picked the Carabay, where I had picked the T-Birds and rode my pick from the start of the year. Um, his Michigan Wolverines also had a huge win. So we will get to that later in the week. Um I think we're doing CFP superlatives, some of our, our big tags like F the Playup Guy of the Year, Sam of the Year. Uh, those will be coming out. We're going to try to break it down and kind of hand out some fun awards as we bid adieu to this U Sports season. Uh, as always, at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill, at CF Perspective. Enjoy your Tuesday. I never saw you leave. And it was late at night I could be wrong But I know that you have never been right Someone said you vanished But he was cooked I'm sure there were some details That he overlooked So get specific Give me time I could never keep track of mine What's on the menu for today?